welcome to the Empowered Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Tudor, Certified Lifestyle Medicine Practitioner. My aim is to help everyday people understand science, not the science, and to use that understanding to make better choices for their health and well-being. Each episode, I'll be bringing my latest Substack post to you in audio form. For the full visual experience, including graphs, charts, images, and videos, view the accompanying post in my Empowered Substack. And now, let's dive in. Episode 15, Treating COVID Injection Injuries, Part 2 of an ongoing series. And just a reminder that none of the following constitutes medical advice, and you should always consult a knowledgeable practitioner to develop a treatment plan tailored to your personal situation. In Part 1 of this series, I discussed the first mechanism by which COVID-19 injections cause harm, microvascular thromboses. And in this episode, I'm going to discuss a second mechanism of harm, which is the damaging effects of spike protein. Both the viral vector COVID-19 injections, that is AstraZeneca and Johnson & Johnson or Janssen, and the mRNA injections, that is Moderna and Pfizer, insert instructions into your body's cells for making the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2. As mentioned in my previous post, let's talk about Sinbaby, the original antigenic variety. Spike protein is found in the bloodstream of people one to two days after receiving the Pfizer injection at essentially the same levels as in people severely ill with COVID-19. Injection-induced spike protein is still detectable in 63% of injected people one week after the first dose. Similar findings have been reported in people who received the Moderna injection. Recall that the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2 is the part of the virus that enables it to sneak into our cells by binding with ACE2 receptors on the cell membrane. Once inside, other parts of the virus's genetic code hijack our cellular machinery, forcing our own cells to become virus factories, which churn out new copies of the virus that eventually erupt out of the cell and seek other cells to infect. Researchers at the Salk Institute conducted a series of experiments to find out if spike protein alone, without any other part of the virus that can actually replicate inside cells, could cause damage both in living animals and in isolated human cells. And indeed it does. The binding of SARS-CoV-2 spike protein to ACE2 results in damage to the mitochondria, the tiny power plants inside cells that turn molecules derived from food into usable energy and this results in impaired cell function and inflammation. Many cell types express ACE2, including types of cells found in the lungs, heart, kidneys, intestine, and the delicate lining of the blood vessels themselves, that is endothelial cells. While circulating in the bloodstream, spike protein can and will be taken up by any of these cell types. The cell type used in the Salk Institute studies was endothelial cells, and the researchers clearly demonstrated that the spike protein alone causes oxidative stress and inflammation, endothelitis. And when endothelial cells become so damaged by this inflammation that they rupture, the spike protein inside them spills out and can enter the cells of the organ that the blood vessel was supplying, if they too express ACE2, and repeat the whole process of mitochondrial impairment, inflammation and cell rupture over again. In this way, injection-induced spike protein could work its way deeper and deeper into the body's vital organs. Furthermore, any cell which expresses the spike protein will be attacked by T cells, the immune system cells that defend against viral infections. In most people who become infected with SARS-CoV-2, the infection and therefore expression of spike protein by their own cells and destruction of these cells by T lymphocytes remains localised to the respiratory tract. 
but COVID-19 injections are delivered into muscles and from there into the bloodstream and carry the instructions for making spike protein into cells throughout our bodies. That means that cells in many different organs begin displaying an abnormal foreign protein, drawing T lymphocytes to attack and destroy them. Do we see evidence of this spike protein-induced cell damage and T-cell attack in people who have taken COVID-19 injections? Yes. Autopsies of people who died after receiving either viral vector or mRNA injections show, quote, one, inflammatory events in small blood vessels, endothelitis, characterized by an abundance of T-lymphocytes and sequestered dead endothelial cells within the vessel lumen. Two, the extensive perivascular accumulation of T-lymphocytes. Three, a massive lymphocytic infiltration of surrounding non-lymphatic organs or tissues with T-lymphocytes, end of quote. That quote was from an article called On COVID Vaccines, Why They Cannot Work and Irrefutable Evidence of Their Causative Role in Deaths After Vaccination. Spike protein binders and neutralizers. In vitro or laboratory studies have demonstrated the ability of a wide variety of substances to inhibit the ability of SARS-CoV-2 spike protein to bind to ACE2, thus preventing it from entering cells. These include 1. Prunella vulgaris. The herb Prunella vulgaris, a member of the mint family, variously known as self-heal, heal-all, wound-wart, heart-of-the-earth, carpenter's herb, brown-wart or blue curls, directly interrupts the binding of the spike protein to ACE2. 2. Suramin. Suramin, an antiparasitic and antiviral compound, which is on the World Health Organization's model list of essential medicines, also directly interrupts the binding of the spike protein to ACE2. Suramin is not absorbed through the gastrointestinal tract and therefore must be administered via intravenous injection. While suramin was originally synthesized from a distilled extract of pine needles, it is not at all clear, and in fact it's mechanistically unlikely, that pine needle tea has any binding effects on spike protein. 3. N-acetylcysteine, or NAC. The sulfur-containing compound NAC alters the three-dimensional shape of the spike protein, preventing it from binding to ACE2. NAC also inhibits replication of SARS-CoV-2. 4. Quercetin. A flavonoid compound found in many common plant foods and herbs, quercetin strongly binds to the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein, which prevents it from binding to ACE2. Quercetin also inhibits replication of SARS-CoV-2 and has anti-inflammatory and thrombin inhibitory actions and therefore an anti-clotting effect. 5. Artemisinin, thymol, carbacrol and imidin. These are all compounds found in many plants that are used in traditional Chinese and Western herbal medicine. Artemisin, thymol, carbacrol, and imodin prevent the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein from binding to ACE2 on host cells at doses that are non-toxic and non-carcinogenic. 6. Neem bark extract. As a director indica or neem bark extract binds to the spike protein and also inhibits replication of SARS-CoV-2. And 7. Ivermectin, a compound derived from the bacterium Streptomyces avametylis, ivermectin docks with SARS-CoV-2 spike receptor binding domain, preventing it from binding to ACE2. Ivermectin is also on WHO's model list of essential medicines and has broad-spectrum antiparasitic, antiallergic, antimicrobial, antiviral and anti-cancer effects. And part three of this series will be coming soon. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and on your socials and make sure you subscribe to my Empowered Substack so you never miss a post.